I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hey, hello, how are you? Welcome to episode 130 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Got a cheeky little bonus episode for you today, and it's no other than street artist Paul Stone, aka My Dog Size. And that's My Dog Size, not to be confused with My Dog's Eyes, but only an idiot would get confused with that, right? But before we go on to speak to my dog size, firstly, the Patreon supporters, thank you very much for your support. This podcast could not be produced without them. And if you like what you're hearing, you think you might be able to support us for as little as £3 a month, you can do it on our Patreon page. Just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, you'll see a LinkedIn drop-down box, and that'll direct you over to the Patreon page. And if not, this content's free for everyone anyway. But back to today's episode. I was lucky enough to squeeze half hour or so out of my dog size super busy schedule. Because when we spoke, Paul was just putting the finishing touches to an enormous installation called Inside. We shelter here sometimes in an abandoned casino and ballroom in Portsmouth. Let me just read a little bit of text about my dog size and his project inside. 
After 10 years of giving his art away for free as part of the now infamous Free Art Friday project, my dog Size has this year finally found himself strapped into a well-deserved meteoric rise, with an incredible international following from Israel, Japan and of course the UK. Five sold out shows under his belt and a strong following of staunchly loyal fans on social media. My dog Size is fast becoming an important figure on the contemporary art scene. Speaking of his latest project, my dog Size says, This is my most ambitious project to date, spending over a year transforming a derelict building into an immersive world inhabited by my quiet little voices. When I first stumbled into street art, the artists were often perceived as ghosts, with only the results of their endeavours visible to the world. With this project, I take my quiet little voices and shift the narrative of what is understood as my dog size. No longer is my dog size the scruffy guy with a bedraggled mohawk, the artist you thought, but by entering inside, you're able to catch a glimpse of a new, alternative world. Inside, we shelter here sometimes, is running from Saturday the 12th of July until the 1st of August and you can get the tickets over on mydogsize.co.uk or on Eventbrite. But tickets are limited, so don't drag your heels. You're gonna love My Dog Size, he's a top guy. But come and find it out for yourself as I spoke to him over Zoom. Putting the show together in general is always a little bit crazy. It always feels a little bit last minute, but um, when the project has been running for as long as this, so we're, we're it's 18 months in the development for this one. It wasn't supposed to be, COVID's, thrown a you know as it's oh. for everyone right it's only supposed to be a five-month project supposed to open last october um and um yeah well you know life for everyone is has changed so um i thought well i'm not traveling i'm not getting anywhere let's make this project bigger and we can't get anybody in at the moment so let's just push the date forwards and then yeah, work nice. and work and work so it's yeah it's become a beast of a beast of a show yeah wow uh, bigger than anything ever I've, I've done before that's for sure and did you have to find the finances for it yourself or? Yeah, another great, yeah, COVID story. So we approached the Arts Council right back at the beginning. I've got a project manager on board to help me. We approached the Arts Council and they'd all but agreed to give us a quarter of a million quid to make this project happen. Nice. So it's a massive, massive abandoned derelict building. So a lot of work needed to be done to make the building safe for the public to get in. So we needed this chunk of funds. And we, we walked out of these meetings absolutely flying. The Arts Council were going to give us a load. Other private businesses and organisations and arts organisations were all on board. And then COVID hit. And then the Arts Council yeah. said, we need to keep the galleries and museums open. No no more funding. And so when and, and in one week, we lost the lot. Absolutely every penny. Oh, man. And, um, and, and you got, you know, I got to that point and I was so emotionally invested. I'd already been working for two or three months on it as a project. I, I just couldn't let it lie. I couldn't not not run it. You know, I, it was just it was just in me that I had to finish it in some form. So we went through a whole bunch of guises. At one point, we were going to do it and never open it up to the public. It was going to be a ghost wow. exhibition, and we were just going to make a film and a book about it. We tried to get some funding to turn it into a VR experience, and that fell through. So we didn't get there. So I had a, I got a really fantastic fan fan group. And um, so I did a crowdfunder and they helped raise um, 50K towards it, which was oh, wow. absolutely fantastic. Really, really good. And I told them nothing. I just said, I'm doing something really, really cool. I can't tell you what it is, but honestly, it's going to be mental. 
uh, and then got some good rewards in. So everybody got something out of it. You know, it wasn't just throwing money in and not knowing anything. Um, and then, um, yeah, the rest I've just had to dig deep and um, work hard and hope that uh, I can sell a few T-shirts and prints and artwork. Oh, oh that's brilliant. Cover my costs on the back. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, it's great that, um, yeah, great that these people are jumping on board, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so fantastic, you know, to, to have people that will believe in something like that and, um, you know, help me try and make my dream come true is yeah, uh, pretty awesome, yeah. And that's, when's it showing from and until? So we open next Friday, that, that 16th of July, that's the private view, uh, and then we run through until the 1st of August. So it's a bit crazy, isn't it? 16 days I'm open for, so it's taken me 18 months to get ready. Oh, for man, those, it's, yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? Days. But, um, you know, as a street artist, and that's my background, really, um, it, you know, street art's ephemeral, it never lasts. And if it did last forever, it would get really boring and nobody would want to look at it anymore. So I kind of see the show as a little bit like that. You know, you, you put something on, it's really, really exciting. People get to see it. Um, you try and document it in some way, shape or form. Um, and then it, you know, the doors close, the yeah. building gets knocked down or whatever happens to it. And, um, um, and yeah, it disappears and it's gone. So uh, <laughs> I kind of like that, you know, it's, you know, I kind of like that ephemeral nature. Yeah. When I first saw your work a couple of years ago, um, a friend of mine, Ben Oakley, has got a gallery right, in okay. college. And um, I see a few of your, your cans in Ah, uh, Yeah, in fact, Ben came gallery. down yesterday because his son's in uni down here. Oh, is he? Um, so he came to pick him up and uh, he got a sneak peek of the show. So um, he oh, did nice. a lot around yesterday. But yeah, he's a nice time. We've got plenty of time for Ben. He's a good, he's a good guy. One of the good guys in the game. Well, I don't um, suppose you saw his interactive show that he done with Joel's oh, Walker, did you? God, I... I didn't get up to see it, oh, but he said it was amazing. It, it, it was looked amazing. incredible, absolutely incredible. And and any photographs and videos wouldn't do it any justice because the atmosphere that was in yeah. there, it was quite a dark and mysterious um, yeah. thing to be a part of. Yeah, it was it was brilliant. Yeah, um, and we, we were talking about the difficulty of trying to pull that off because that was in December time, wasn't it? So yeah. he was really in between lockdowns and the craziness and stuff that was going on there. And, you know, we, we were sharing stories of, you know, how tricky it was to try and arrange something like that. And, and parallel to yours, his was meant to be a bigger deal. And, you know, again, funding stopped and yeah. other people pulled out and broke, not broke promises, but, you know, um, yeah. Just situations things, things get in the way, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when I first saw your work in his gallery, I asked who who um, who done these cans, and he said, "My dog size." Um, it was quite a while before I discovered that it was my dog size and not, not my dog's my dog eyes. eyes. <laughs> You're not the first one, mate. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, imagine. the name came way before the eyes. So. <laughs> So it, it, yeah, yeah. I've been. I've had features in newspapers where they come in my dog's eyes for the entire time. So it's it's one of those things, right? You just yeah. After learning, it's, it's the same as um, psycho the rapist being a psychotherapist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not quite the same, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Doesn't work. Yeah. I have um, on on this podcast, Paul. I have um, I have seven questions that I ask each artist that, that I will throw in. Yeah. now and then that, that yeah, you sure. may not even notice but the first being how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work 
Um, I kind of have what I think of as a few strands. So my heart and my passion lies with creating work on the street, whether that's sticker or paster or illegal walls or legal walls. So I'm a street artist first. Off the back of that, I'm also a mural artist. And I think the scene has changed dramatically. So, um, you know, it used to be street art. Everyone was ghosts. You never saw who they were. You just saw their work appear. And then the the kind of street art festival started and you started painting and then people came and take pictures of you. Money came into the... uh, And then money came into the game and you've got all that. So, you know, I do play that game too. So I do my street art stuff for for shits and giggles. I paint at mural festivals. Um, and that brings me some income in. Uh, and then, you know, there has been a real change over the last few years in the way that galleries work and urban, uh, what do they call them? Urban contemporary or street art <laughs> yeah. galleries. You know, it's about, how, you know, how those street artists bring that work into a gallery space. So up until now, those have been the kind of the, the angles that I've taken as an artist. Um, with this project, it's about trying to blur some of those. So. I am doing a project inside, so I suppose it's a bit like an exhibition yeah. rather than just a painting on the wall. But it was it, it was purposely chosen to be a derelict building because the thing that I love when I work on the street is the urban decay. It's that real aesthetic of peeling paint and rust and forgotten places, you know, places that have been lost, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I really I'm really passionate and really enjoy working in and done well that bit of. Um new fresh art you know juxtaposed to this old building you know because they they shouldn't work together but when a a, a new artwork is set on there it's uh yeah it can be something of beauty can't it yeah yeah and and you you know equally you know there are artists that do a really fantastic job taking a derelict building that's falling down and add something that that looks like it's been there for a hundred years you know it hasn't it's not super fresh and clean it's got that kind of age and that kind of history to it that narrative to it that I really enjoy as well so um yeah I love playing with all those kind of elements of urban decay so to take over the space that I have which was just a massive it was a, so it's a massive old um casino and ballroom wow. and the casino shut down about 10 years ago but the ballroom shut down about 40 years ago wow. and they literally bricked up the staircase and left it um, nice. and I managed to get access in there the owner gave me the keys and said yeah, have a look, you know, see what you think. And I poked my head through this tiny hole in the wall and saw this staircase and it was jet black. I had a little torch, sort of clambered through this hole in the wall, walked into this most incredible ballroom. It's wow. just, just stunning. I mean, it- Was any know, of the beauty still there? Yeah, absolutely. Or did they got beautiful art ceiling, the columns on the walls. There were some sculptures that the kids had kind of pushed over and smashed. So yeah, we yeah. stood those back up again. And there's that kind of that balance of beautiful kind of 1930s, 40s architecture with broken glass and, nice. you know, smashed up. Just, you know, just a dream, yeah. absolute dream space. Yeah. Well, I was just in a, an exhibition with, there's probably, I think there was over 100 artists, but that was in um, in the Fulham Town Hall. Okay. And that's a, a 1930s building. Mm. And I was down, funny enough, I, I'm a, um, a fine artist and I was down with the um, with the urban artist, graffiti artist down right. in the basement. We was all in the, in the, in the cellars there. And uh, as I referred to him, I, um, I was, I was amongst the riffraff. Is <laughs> 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 how I was explaining to the other guys down there. But, Everyone's um, down there drinking beer while the people upstairs are drinking wine. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, as you can hear, I'm a beer drinker rather <laughs> than a wine drinker, you know. I'm a bit misplaced. 
Did you always have art at home growing up? Yeah, as a kid, the packet of felt tip pens was the best present in Santa's stocking. Um, I don't know, you know, I think a lot of artists are, you know, have that same thing. I wasn't a fast runner or a football player, but, you know, I could copy cartoons and I could use a felt tip pen. And yeah. uh, I, w- I wasn't afraid to colour outside the lines on the those colouring in books, you know, just <laughs> mucking around. And I think as I as I grew up, you know, in the 80s, it was leather jackets and will you paint this band cover on my leather jacket? Course, and so, yeah. you know, I was that guy that called for that. In the 90s, the rave thing started in the illegal parties. So it was all UV paint and, you know, mad psychedelic stuff. So I've always had that um, kind of creative thing. Uh, my dad was right. Okay, that's all good that you enjoy painting, but you got to get a proper job. Proper job. So, yeah. yeah, you know, you know, he's laughing now because you know this is you know, this is what I do for a living. This is my <laughs> job. Um, so I went into teaching, and so I kind of kept the creativity side of stuff. So I used to teach art in schools, um, and and I worked in schools for about twenty years, and and you know, really enjoyed what it. In Pompey, uh, in Portsmouth. Uh, in in South London and in Portsmouth and Hampshire, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and the painting was always shits and giggles. You know, it was the hobby. It was the thing you did to let off steam in the yeah, evening after a day at work. You know, all those sorts of things. I got lucky. Um, the cans were seen by some galleries and some. Uh, so the culture show picked up on a project that I was doing and then did a little feature on that. That got me in front of some right people. Um, and then I sort of slowly transitioned from being a teacher um, into being a, an artist. And I've been painting full time. And was there a definite split or did one merge into the other? Definitely one merged into the other. Yeah, yeah. It, I was teaching and painting. You know, I was still teaching full time when I had my first solo show with Charlie at Pure Evil Gallery. Um, and then... Oh, wow. When, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and then when the invites came for shows and I was still trying to teach full time, the balance just wasn't there. So I reduced my hours teaching. Uh, then I had a big show over in West London, went to the head teacher and said, look, I need a sabbatical. I need a term off so I can focus on this show. And um, yeah, that happened. And I met up with her afterwards and she said, yeah, you're not coming back. Are you? <laughs> yeah, that term's <laughs> going to extend. Yeah, You've now it, been expelled. <laughs> very much so. I was like, well, if, if, if it all goes tits up, please can I come back? But, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky enough that it's, 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 um, it's been a good journey and I'm still here. Yeah, well, I hear that on here quite often that people who have merged into being an artist, um, they do exactly that. And it gets to a point where they're doing sort of 50-50 yeah. and their job starts to get in the way, you know. Yeah, um, yeah that's, and that's that when happens. you know it's the right time, isn't it? You know, yeah. I also know people that, that give up everything and decide they're going to be an artist full time. And actually that jump is a really, really big one. And if you're going to try and pay your rent and, you know, buy shoes for the kids and feed yourself to make it as a sudden jump um, and sometimes put a lot of people off and make it really difficult and you know there is absolutely nothing wrong with running uh, you know a job that earns an income alongside you starting off your art career and I'd always say to people you know there is there is nothing wrong you know about that. No I only decided to do that maybe two years ago myself but that situation I was doing another podcast with a portrait artist called Jeffrey Harrison a few weeks ago and we was talking about that similar sort of thing he works and you know paints yeah. sort of not on the side but you know parallel yeah. rather he splits it yeah yeah he was saying that when he was at art school one of the tutors um for whatever reason and they still do it now they say that only three percent of 
um, you guys are go on to will go on to use art as your as your income. Mm. So you know, I, I said, well, I'm I'm proud to be a a ninety seven percenter. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to be one of them other ones. And, and um, when it came out on the podcast, loads of other people contacted me about being a 97 percenter and we ended up making little badges up you know <laughs> i love that i love that yeah and i know just, i feel excluded from the club no <laughs> to get out of it i charged three pound for these little badges the 97 percenters right and then i had other artists who listened to the show contact me and say well what about us can we have a badge so i made the three percent a badge but, yeah. I charged, but i charged four quid for them because you're <laughs> earning <laughs> 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 so love thought, it love it a little, brilliant. a little twist and a little <laughs> fingers up to the artists that have um yeah done what i've not yet achieved, you know. <laughs> i love that that's amazing i'll give you a fiver for one just <laughs> i'll send you one gladly later <laughs> on what piece that you've created paul holds the biggest emotional connection do you think um the next one because every painting you do, there are things that you love about it and there are things yeah. that you hate about it. You don't tell anybody what you hate, but you celebrate the things that you love. And then that inspires you on the next one to carry on the things that you really enjoyed about painting that first one. And then the things that you didn't like, that's what you work on. That's the thing, that's your niggle, that's your challenge, that's your problem solving that you work through and you, you find a way of getting there. We are never 100% happy with what we produce. If we yeah. were, we'd put our paintbrushes down and we would never paint again because there would be no point, yeah. right? But there's always the strive to improve and to get better. And, you know, that balance of things you like and things you don't like shifts sometimes, but that is always there. And so it's always, you know, the kids ask me, you know, I do a lot of education sort of based stuff. And the kids always say, what's the best painting you ever painted? And I give the same answer. And it's really, a, it's just, <laughs> such, they hate it. They want to tell you it's that one there. And you point yeah, at the yeah, yeah. And, and, and you can't do it. You know, there are pieces that I've sold and really regretted selling things that kind of, that, that were, the, were like a diving board onto something bigger and better. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are those memorable pieces throughout my career for sure. But I'm always, I'm always excited about getting onto the next thing because it's, it's, it's that next one that might be even better than the one before. Well, each one is, um, you know, it, whether it be good or bad, is a, a link in the chain to where you're going, where exactly. you're going next. And that's it's what all, exhibition is, isn't it? It's a punctuation yeah. in where you are in your career. Yeah. How about relaxing, Paul? What do you do to relax? Well, it's a funny one because, because art was always my hobby. I had my day job. And then yeah. I would paint in the evenings and I'd paint at the weekends and I'd paint in my free time. I and mean, when that shifted and I went to the studio every day and I painted all day and every day for about five years, I would come home with the evening sick to death of paint. You know, I'd had enough of it. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do it anymore. And I was really lost. I was really unsure about what my downtime would be because it yeah. was always art. And then it suddenly wasn't. It was, you know, <laughs> I was painting all day, every day. And actually, it, I think it probably lockdown that caused it um i've become a massive house plant addict brilliant oh, <laughs> so, oh yeah i can see a few in the background well, this is this is my son's bedroom because there's the best wi-fi in here but the entire house is like a <laughs> massive jungle but what's really lovely is that for a few hours every week i can do nothing other than just you know are they fed are they watered so give them a little trim give them a little sort and it's it's a it's a 
it's a real meditation. I mean, it's just, I can't think of anything else. I don't want to think of anything else. And it, it's a really fantastic way to clear my head. So um, yeah, yeah, my wife's like, not another one when I bring them in. <laughs> <laughs> It is literally a jungle. We have to climb through parts of the house. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely say, you know, it's definitely been a kind of mental health thing to Brilliant. be involved in. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said, their lockdown, um, that pushed a lot of people to do that creative something that they'd always not had time to do. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. What do they say at the beginning? There's loads of memes at the beginning, wasn't there? You know, if you were going to learn Italian or learn to play the That's guitar, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. now is the time to do it because you've got yeah. no excuses. And so I think um, part of my, you know, this project, this inside project I've been working on, I'd never sculpted before at all. Um, and so it was like, right, okay, I'm not traveling. I'm not going to go and paint in America three or four times. <laughs> I'm not traveling around the world because that's not happening anymore. Let's pick up some new skills. Yeah. Really crazy things like I went on a willow weaving workshop Brilliant. just for the hell of it. Why, Why not? not? You know, it's it's sculptural form in a different, in, in an organic, in an organic way. And I've you know been able to include elements of kind of weaving within the nice. project. And you know, I've learned to sculpt on tiny scale and eight foot, nine foot scale. And so, it, you know, it was, it was like, well, yeah, I have used lockdown to learn some new skills and that, you know, I'm pleased with that. Yeah, put another tool in your toolbox. Yeah, exactly, right? And we carry that Brilliant. toolbox around with us and we we pull it out and use it. And we yeah. use, you know, the more you've got to pull out, the more variety and excitement exactly. you've got. It won't ever there. get too heavy either, will it? No, no. <laughs> you, um, yeah, you said that you would be painting a lot, you know, years ago. What was it before graffiti entered your world? um anything and everything like you know the, the rave backdrops all the sort of psychedelic stuff that went along with that you know a lot of band so that was pretty much graffiti stuff. stuff but just not in the graffiti sense yeah i mean i i remember i remember graffiti hitting the uk in the 80s but i was you know 10 11 and so it was exercise book things. You know, I got my graffiti name, but I was never quite brave enough to pick up a spray can. Yeah. So I didn't actually hit the whole, you know, painting walls with spray cans until a bit later in my life, until I was about 30. Um, but I'd always had a paintbrush. You know, I'd always been creating in, in some, some form, yeah. form or another. Um, and um, yeah, I, I'd been running street art projects, but using paintbrushes to paint things, the cans and all that sort of stuff. And then I'd met other street artists and they were like, why aren't you painting walls? You know, why aren't you using spray paint? And so um, there's an artist in Portsmouth called Fark, Fark FK. And um, yeah, it must have been 15 years ago. You know, he came up to me and said, you know, we're going down to Bristol to paint a big paint festival down there. Up yeah. there. Why don't you come and paint? And I was like, well, I use little paintbrushes and I paint tiny little things. And, you, know, I don't, you know, I don't do walls. But he persuaded me. He was like, you know, here's a spray can, you know play with this, see what you can do with it. And then, and I, and I just, yeah, didn't look back. As a material, it's, it's a bit like oils in that it's a pig to work with. Yeah, yeah. When you start with, you just, it doesn't, it's not natural and you've got to learn how, you know, it's like this battle with it. You know, you, you battle against it and it battles against you. And then eventually after a period of time, you come to some agreement with it. I'm, like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. try and do this. Just let me do this, please. Yeah. And then I'll, you know, and um, so, um, yeah. It's yeah, been enthusiasm turns to frustration rather quickly. Yeah, it so does, doesn't it? But it's that 10,000 hour thing, thing, right? You know, you, you've got to just keep going. Yeah. You've got to, you know, if that's the material that you want to use, you just have to 
hack and hack and hack and be really, really bad. You're going to be a toy for, you know, years and years and years. And at some point, you're going to find your style and you're going to find your subject matter. Yeah. And those things are going to click into place. And uh, it takes a while, but yeah. You can get but our there. previous guest on here, uh, friend Jacqueline de Montaigne. Okay. Um, she is in Portugal. Oh, and okay. she does large warm murals like your own, you know, on a crane. But she yeah. predominantly still uses brush. Yeah. Just not, not a little fine, not a little <laughs> fine artist. Brush, brush. Brush. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's strange about the street art scene now is that a lot of artists that would have been using spray paint are now moving over to. I've seen a few. Yeah, I was quite surprised. Well. Yeah. And, and, and it creates a beautiful, you know, really beautiful, um, you know, like an oil painting, but yeah. you know, four stories up is just. Yeah, really, really incredible. Yeah, it is interesting. When I first started, it was like, you're not allowed to use anything other than spray paint. You know, you're you either stencil artists or graffiti artists. And, you, you know, I'd arrive with a paintbrush and they'd kind of look down their noses at me. But yeah, the scene has definitely changed. <laughs> the show you're in at the moment, what's the, what's the title of that show that you're about to open? So it's called Inside, and because I can, I've given it a subheading. <laughs> and why, why not? not? Who's going to yeah. tell me I can't? Of course. And so Inside is called We Shelter Here Sometimes. So nice. as an artist that's used to working outside on the street, as a street artist, it kind of had that play of, well, I'm not outside. I am working inside a space. Yeah. But equally... We spent 18 months inside, right? You know, we, you know, I'm telling you that. <laughs> you spent longer than that inside, right? But, but you know, we, we've been cooped up and we've had to reassess our lives. We've had to reassess what's important to us and then how we deal with different situations. Uh, and I was dealing with that while also building the project. So um, it, it has a play on multi-layers. It is that idea that you're, you're an artist that you're used to seeing outside has moved into a space. It's about how we deal with, um, the claustrophobia or the you know the fear of being outside and all those elements that go alongside it and actually the kind of narrative of the show itself is, is this group of characters which I call my quiet little voices nice and they have taken over this space they are living inside they've kind of squatted this ballroom that's been empty for years and so they live in there and they dance and they joke and they're sad and they have parents and they're lovers and they're they paint things and create things and they're musical and they write things. And so it's kind of all those elements of the human existence, you know, all of the elements of us, of me as an artist, but as, as everybody in separate character forms, sharing this space as a community. So Brilliant. that's where the kind of that, the title of the inside sort of ties it all together. And what sort of um, artworks are in there? Is it just graffiti and small sculptural work? Uh, no, it, we've got sculptures, uh, as big, I suppose, 12, 13 feet high. Oh, They're okay. hanging from the ceiling. They're, there's huge wooden pods that they live in. Nice. There is more traditional forms. So, I mean, there's lots of graffiti. There's lots of sort of um, painted images on the walls as well as these sort of sculptural sculptures and things. But um, it's split over two floors and then kind of the downstairs floor is more of a traditional gallery space, as much as you can in a derelict, yeah. or, you know, derelict nightclub. Yeah. Um, but there's artworks, there's a maze to explore that kind of represents the, you know, the confusing bit of my head, you know. Yeah. <laughs> kind of left, kind of right, changing directions, yeah. changing my mind. And so that maze kind of represents how my brain sorts of... Brilliant. Function. And how can people get to see this project? So um, 
you can see it in person if you can get to Portsmouth and you can do that by going to my website mydogsize.co.uk all the details are there but I have had a filmmaker follow me for the last 18 months so documenting the entire journey Brilliant. the plan is that we build a documentary about how you make an exhibition during Covid and how shit can go wrong sometimes nice. um, and then also I've had photographers who've been documenting the whole from the building from when I first came in all the way through the sort of construction working in the studio working in the casino um, and then so the plan is uh, once the project once the sort of the building shuts uh, we'll release a book so you can sort of catch the documentation beautiful brilliant and what's happening to the building do you know once it closes I don't the owner is sort of swinging between wanting to restore it but not finding the money i'm sure it would be much more financial sense to raise it to the ground and build some anonymous flats i really hope that doesn't happen because it's gorgeous building absolutely gorgeous um and i know his heart's in the right place so let me arrive and spend 18 months in there and do whatever Brilliant. the hell i want yeah. it's got to be a cool guy to do that right? of course really of course but the trouble with a ballroom being that it's um one big room that well, you can't do much with is, one of those in the future the ballroom is one floor of four so oh, okay. underneath the ballroom there are two nightclubs and bars and restaurants and kitchens below that there's a casino so it is just a huge space. are they still in are they still in use at the moment them other, no, they've been not so for 40 50 years yeah wow. just literally locked up and left which is Beautiful. crazy. I've lived in Portsmouth for 25 years. I painted the outside of it without even considering what was in there. Excellent. And when I eventually got inside, it was just mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. And how cool is it that it's in your, your hometown as well? I can cycle there in the morning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, There's no way I could have run a project where I work seven days a week, 10 hours a day for 18 months, unless it was where, you know, on my doorstep. If, if they invited me to come and do that in London or Manchester, I've got family, you know, it just, it, it's the stars aligned absolutely yeah. beautifully. The building, yeah. the owner, the location, and it's to some extent lockdown helping me extend this project into something yeah. far bigger than it would have been before. A little while ago, last year, we was both in a show together being background Bob. Ah, oh, yeah. What an amazing project, wasn't it? Wasn't it I mean, beautiful? Just incredible. So Nathan, um, uh, Background Bob's dad, um, has been a sort of friend and collector for a while. And, you know, he, he was planting this seed. Oh, I'm just going to contact a few artists and see if they could, you know, collaborate with Noah. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. I'll do a couple of pieces, yeah. and, you know, go from there. Little did anybody know how it would grow. So that massive book, the huge exhibition, Beautiful. it was on every TV stuff. Every time I turned the telly on, there was, you know, yeah. kind of like, it was the best feel good. Pro I mean, how proud did you feel? Oh man. To actually I, be able to paint I, that piece. I genuinely, I had tears in my eyes on yeah. several occasions. Yeah. Me and like me, me arty partner, Lee Ainsworth, we both, you know, happened to be a part of it. And, yeah, it was, it was something really, really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. A legacy for Noah, it was incredible. I know they're beavering away on their second phase as well, which is which is quite phenomenal. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it Noah, was Noah's a great little chap. He came up to the studio a few years ago 
And, um, you know, you can't help but just, no. you know, his grin and his smile is just oh, absolutely... Yeah. He's got a smile well. that will melt, melt the hearts of anyone, yeah. wouldn't it? As long as you swear in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any toilet humour and he grins like a special cat. It's fantastic. All you want for a 10-year-old boy. Yeah. yeah. It was during that show that I realised that you wasn't my dog's eyes uh, because I actually read the name rather than heard yeah, the name. Yeah, rather you know. than hearing it, yeah. Paul, if, if, if you could create an exhibition with you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Jeez, five? Blimey, I get to ask, yeah, I can often ask who's your favourite, but five, right, okay. Let's get Andy Warhol in there because I just think that would be the craziest event it would it would, there would be sparks flying in all directions, which would just, yeah, really throw me. Um, there's um, uh, an American-Israeli artist called No Hope, whose work I just absolutely adore. No, as in to know something. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, and then Hope, his work is beautiful, absolutely stunning. Is that a graffiti urban artist? He, he definitely started out in that kind of street art game, for sure. Um, has moved much more into a contemporary field. Um, um, but he's, yeah, he's working. I think now I'll take a look. Oh, yeah, yeah, very, very good. My heroes are a German duo called Herakut. So H-E-R-A-K-U-T. So they're a, uh, a guy and a girl, Hera and Akut. Yeah. Uh, they joined together a few years ago um, and their work, the what I love about them is Hera, she composes the imagery, uh, which is very, very loose. She uses rollers on massive poles. There's dripping paint Brilliant. everywhere. Just this really real energy to it. And a cut is a photorealistic um, graffiti writer. So nice. he will create the, the, the shadow on the shoulders or the, the skin tone or the reflection in the eye. You know, these tiny, tiny bits of perfection. And that balance of looseness and perfection for me is just... Nice, oh, yeah. My heart. Right. I'm going to throw toasters into the mix. The toasters are were the part were some of the pioneers in street art. So right back, way, way back in the beginning, they thought it'd be really funny to take the idea of a tag, right? You know, taggers go and write their name in as many places as they can. You know, you need to get up as much as you can. But rather than use a tag, they would take a picture of a toaster and they would turn that and they would put that toaster. <laughs> everywhere and they Brilliant. have literally covered the world <laughs> with the same image for 25 years or something Excellent. just a really standard illustration of a toaster and they've blown it up and i think that idea of taking the graffiti element of a tag but with something so funny and banal as yeah. a toaster but big but hammering it again and again and again and again and not letting it lie He's just, he's just the most wonderful thing for me. I love and it, that. And it creates its own aura, doesn't it? Exactly. I, I have a pin, a toaster's pin, and I had, a, I had a show in Chicago a couple of years ago, and this Chicago guy, this gun and gangster guy came up, hey, man, I love that band. You know, and it was just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, just, I didn't have the heart. You know, I was just like, yeah, that's cool. And I went and told toasters later on, and, and they were just like, that's the best. That's you know, <laughs> people recognise it, but they don't know why they recognise yeah, it. Yeah, you know? and that's 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 really cool. And where, where, are, where are they from? All over. I think now in the Midlands. So there's there uh, there were originally um, three of them: Toasters A, Toasters B, and Toasters D. Um, I think one of them is now active still. Um, but um, yeah, they're kind of 
everywhere all the time. Brilliant. Yeah. Love it. Really, really good. Well, oh gosh, have we got time for any more? I don't know. Where do we go from here? Um, who else do I throw into the mix? Um, the London Police. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, right. Okay. Only because, as much as their work is just brilliantly simple and recognisable and lovely, I know the party, the after party and the pre-party and the getting ready party is going to be messy. Are they good? Really, really good fun. If you ever go out with Chaz from the London Police, right off the next two days, because... <laughs> <laughs> Superb. He loves his tequila. He knows his tequila, and it can be yeah, it can be a tough one. But yeah, if you if you follow them on social media, the way that so they're a kind of crew, and the way that they work and they work in the studio, and the, they don't take it seriously. You know, yeah. they really they really enjoy what they do, and 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 you know we can get really stuck in what we do and we can be very serious and, and it, you know, the decisions that you make as an artist can be really, really hard work. And yeah, passion's be, powerful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. But to see them just revel in this kind of wonderful joy of, of what they do means that, yeah, I, I, you know, I love them even more for it. Yeah, yeah well, my, my um, knowledge of, of street art, urban art, graffiti is, is limited but they are for that yeah they are one name that i followed early on right and um yeah, yeah i could see a, a oh, i could see a lot of that that fun yeah. element in there you know yeah yeah and as much as it was um yeah great work they were producing you could see that there was a little bit of um sarcasm and sniggering going on yeah yeah. I, want, you know. yeah I want to be in their crew i want to be yeah i want to be their friend yeah what, what do you reckon you'd be if you wasn't an artist I love teaching. It was a great job. It was crazy, crazy hard. Um, and the paperwork and the, you know, that was, that was, I didn't enjoy that bit. But I love, <laughs> I love being in a classroom. I love being inspired by and inspiring young minds. I think, you know, the reward from that is quite incredible. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, if, if, if it all went tits up now and I had to step out of it, um, yeah, that would, I'd, I'd step back into teaching again nice. and, you know, be surrounded by the kids. Yeah, a friend of mine, or who I mentioned earlier, Lee, who's my arty partner, he's going back into it three days a week just as right. an art technician in, in a school yeah. in South London, in Peckham. Lastly, just um, if you could just tell us the name of your show you've got coming up, where people can see it, get tickets if tickets are needed. So, yeah, we are navigating COVID and a derelict building. So there are limited numbers of places and people and times we can get people in. So we're doing kind of slots that we can get people along. Yeah. Um, but we're open from the 16th of July to the 1st of August. Um, and, um, yeah, you can get the tickets via my website, which is mydogsize.co.uk. All the information is there about where tickets are available, when they're sold out, how you can get a hold of them. Um, and yeah, pretty much everything's available on the site. But um, yeah, the show's called Inside and it would be um, really nice to invite people inside, you know? Excellent. And for those that can't make it, there'll be something a little further down the line. That, Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So we'll get the a flavour of the made. experience. We'll get the book made. We'll get it out there. And um, yeah, I'll be spamming everybody on social media like, I always, like we all have to do, right? <laughs> Part of the game. And, um, of yeah. course. Brilliant. Paul, that's all my questions asked. All the very best and hope to bump into you soon. 
Yeah, definitely, mate. Thanks very much. Nice to you. See you later on, mate. Bye -bye. See you later. There you have it. Paul Stone, my dog size. Didn't I tell you he was a top guy? And as we said there, Inside We Shelter Here Sometimes opens this Saturday, the 17th of July, and runs until the 31st of August at the Old Casino in Southsea, Portsmouth. And even as I record this, I've just had a look on the Eventbrite page and nearly half the tickets have gone already. In this episode, my dog Size and I spoke of a young lad called Background Bob. And along with several friends and family, Background Bob is very soon putting on his second enormous exhibition. And if you happen to be on social media at all today and want to see one of the biggest smiles on the internet, just look up Background Bob and give him a follow. If you would like one of these bonus episodes to promote your work, yourself as an artist, or an art event you've got going on, just contact us for prices and details. The Ministry of Arts states that it's probably the most inclusive art podcast in the world, and the cost of these bonus episodes reflects that. And if you've listened to just a couple of these episodes, you'll be aware that we're all about promoting artists no matter which rung of the ladder they're on. And you're safe in the knowledge that all of the proceeds go back into this podcast. Well, I'm back again on Monday with an episode recorded on location at the World's End on the King's Road. It was another one recorded face to face. I loved it. You can hear the traffic going by and everything, you know. But anyway, that's Monday. I'll see you then. Ta-da. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're unable to support us on Patreon... Leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast, or even giving us a positive shout-out on your social media. Anything is appreciated, but either way, thanks for listening, and until next week, ta Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.